I was reading about um, Jacob this week. Jacob in the Old Testament. He had a hard life. And, and I was reading about when he stood before Pharaoh. Um, thanks to Joseph and all the hard things that he went through, God uh, brought them, saved them from the famine. And so Jacob was uh, brought before Pharaoh. And, and he said there to Pharaoh, all the years of my life were few and painful. And I just kind of sat and, and thought about that a minute. And I just, what a way to, to describe his life, you know, and it reflects the fact that life is hard. But as I went on to read, I was encouraged uh, that that's not the only thing Jacob said about his life. On his deathbed, Jacob gathered um, together his, his uh, family and, and he blessed his grandsons first, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he said this to them. He said, may God, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has protected me from all harm, bless these boys. You know, Jacob's life was hard, but, but he had a good shepherd watching over his life, and he recognized that. He, he knew that God saw him, that God uh, heard his troubles and was with him. And like Jacob, I want to encourage you this morning that we who follow Jesus and know him as our good shepherd can have hope even when faced with suffering and death. And we're going to look this morning at the example of the Apostle Paul, another man who had a hard life. He faced death many times and, and suffered a lot along the way to his martyrdom when he gave his life for the cause of Christ. And we're going to look at um, three reasons that Paul was able to endure and to, to keep on in, in the hardships of life. If you turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, we're going to be looking at one particular passage, but just to get a bit of an idea of what's going on in the letter, in the book of 2 Corinthians, it was written as primarily to defend his apostleship, Paul's ministry to proclaim the gospel in the face of accusations. He was being accused of things, and, and, uh, and so he shares from his heart. And, and uh, not to defend himself, but to defend the gospel which he proclaimed. And in one of the passages, he lists all the struggles that he faced. In, in chapter 11, in verses 24 to 31, he talks about being scourged, not just once, but five times, being beaten with a rod, three times, uh, being stoned and left for dead, 
And no, it wasn't, he wasn't on drugs. He was hit with rocks until he was left for dead. But God saved him and, and kept him alive to preach the gospel. He was shipwrecked. We read about the one time in Acts at the end, but it says here he was shipwrecked three times. And he actually spent a day and a half drifting at sea. You just imagine the the uh, hopelessness there by the end of... I, I'd be pretty hopeless after an hour or so, but he was in danger wherever he went. He endured sleepless nights, hunger and thirst many times. He lacked at times sometimes proper clothes and the journeys that he would he would uh, take. And added to that, he says at the end, he he is daily concerned, anxious about the churches and uh, he's concerned for them and their walk with the Lord. Paul suffered and yet he persevered. You know, if I could visit with Paul, I would, I would ask him, how did you do that, Paul? Tell me some more about this situation. and What was it like? But how did you do that? Well, you know, Paul has already told us that. And he, he tells us in several places in his epistles. Uh, we're going to look at one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 16 to 18. Now keep in mind, we're, we're going to look at three reasons of many. And I just chose a short passage because I want to look into it just a little bit deeper. But really, the whole of 2 Corinthians talks about uh, suffering. And, and Paul, all that he went through, and, and it begins, blessed the God of all comfort who comforts us in our afflictions. And uh, what a hope we have. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are, are transient, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Our text begins, so we do not lose heart. He's going to go on to, to share why we would not lose heart. Now, these words, they don't just fall here haphazardly. But Paul has placed them here at the end of chapter four as a bridge that connects chapters four and five for us. So we need to look at the context. It's very important as we we see, I guess you might say, Paul's argument. That's his flow of thought, what he's getting at here. 
Well, chapter four begins the very same way. So or therefore we do not lose heart. And the chapter goes on to speak about life in the midst of death and suffering. This is the passage where Paul says, you know, we were perplexed, but not in despair. We were uh, struck down, but not destroyed. And, and other paradoxes, he goes on. And chapter 5 begins not by speaking about life in the midst of death and suffering, but of life after death and the hope of the resurrection. So now set in the middle here, Paul gives us three reasons that he and those with him do not give up hope. Three reasons why we do not lose heart, even in the face of death. Now, the first reason we read in verse 16, um, and that is this as our bodies wear out, Christ our Lord will shine out. Verse 16 as our bodies wear out, Christ our Lord will shine out. Verse 16 puts it this way. Though our outer self, that is our body, our, our mortal flesh, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, our heart, the core of our being is being renewed day by day. Now this verse looks back to the previous verses in chapter 4 where we... He talks about the struggles of life. And Paul describes our bodies as clay jars that hold the treasure of the gospel. Clay jar is rather ordinary. It's definitely breakable. Our bodies, you know, they have the capability of wearing out. We're capable of being knocked down and perplexed and hemmed in in life. But the believer has the light of the knowledge of God and His glory in Christ. I believe that's verse 4. I didn't write it down, but the light of the knowledge of God and His glory in Christ, this treasure that we have within, this knowledge of God and who He is, is what renews us. The one who knows God and dwells on His glory is the one who's renewed. Paul understood that our bodies wear out and decay. I mean, he's getting older. And he's endured physical abuse on, on beatings and, and many accounts. And yet he could speak of his heart being renewed. As he said earlier in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4, we are under pressure, but not hemmed in. We're at the end of our rope. Mentally and emotionally perplexed, but not in despair. Hunted, persecuted, but not forsaken. 
knock down, but not destroy. Where does this inner renewal come from? How can Paul say that his heart is being renewed even when his body is is wearing out? To answer that, I'd like to take you back to the beginning of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9. This is a time when Paul was in despair. And Paul was, it writes to them, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. I want you to know about what we went through. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt as though we'd received the sentence of death. And this happened so that we would not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul knew despair. He knew pain. He knew what it was like to be have no strength left. But he also learned through that time of suffering to rely on the God who raises the dead rather than himself. Is it possible that this is what God is teaching us in our suffering and the trials that we face? Is it possible that he wants to renew our hearts as we rely on him in our pain? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, so jumping past our passage for this morning, Paul prayed for three seasons that his thorn in the flesh, that this unknown uh, thing that was troubling him, that, that, that says the Lord had put in his life, he prayed that it would be removed. We don't know what that trial was, but We have God's response to Paul that speaks to our situation and troubles. And in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul says, My grace, or God says to Paul, My grace is enough for you. And my power is made perfect. In your weakness. Even as we despair. Like Paul did. He was getting discouraged. He was desperate. Even as we cannot see the good. In what we're going through. God says I am enough. That I am strong in your weakness. You know that God's purpose for your life is to show His glory? To reveal who He is in all His greatness, but in all His goodness also. And that purpose is not over 
When your body gets weak. When you're at the end of your strength. That's when you can most clearly show the Lord Jesus Christ. Where it's evident that it's the grace of God working in you. As you rely on Him. As you trust Him. Because then it's abundantly clear that it's not you, but it's God working in you. And God is glorified. You know, our activities may change quite dramatically as our bodies wear out or you experience different hardships, limitations. We are limited people, but even and as we grow old, it becomes difficult. What we do may change, but our purpose, revealing Jesus Christ, that treasure that we have in our hearts, even as the jar gets chipped and breaks and falls and wears out, that treasure remains. We can have hope in the face of death because as our bodies wear out, the glory of God shines out. As our bodies decay, our inner person can rejoice as the psalmist said, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is the treasure that we have that doesn't wear out. We have for eternity. Do you see the power of God at work in your weakness? I see God's power at work within you. And it's not just when you're strong and mighty. It works in your weaknesses. To encourage one another. To, as Paul said, you know, that, that we might comfort others with the comfort that we've received. God, the God of all comfort, gives us the, this privilege. And I don't say that word lightly. It's a privilege to, to endure many hardships for His glory so that when our bodies wear out, He is the one that people see. And He is the one who sustains us. So that's the first reason. Even as our bodies wear out, Christ can shine out. And secondly, in verse 17, we see that today's sufferings are, are puny when compared with the weight of glory to come. Verse 17 says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now just stop and think about this for a second. This is Paul, the guy who suffered so much for Jesus' sake. He just said in chapter 1, a couple of chapters ago, that we were utterly burdened beyond our strength. And we despaired of life. And now he says that 
Such experiences are light and they're momentary. You can't even compare them with the eternal weight of glory that's promised to the follower of Christ. Isn't that a little bit of a crazy statement? It's so countercultural. It's so against, against what any of us think. It's not that life is easy then, or, or that suffering isn't painful and heart-wrenching. But even the most intense suffering, ongoing suffering, lifelong suffering, is its light and momentary when laid beside the weight of glory that will last forever. That treasure that we have that will not be destroyed. How do you see today's troubles? Do they weigh heavily on your heart? Well, mine sure do a lot of the time. When we honestly consider eternity and all that God has promised his children, it's not the afflictions that should crush us and weigh us down. I think what should bring us to our knees is this great and awesome truth that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love. You can't even imagine it. It's beyond even what is revealed to us. There is an eternal weight of glory waiting in heaven for us. How does sharing in God's glory for eternity, standing in His presence, give you hope in today's trial? We can have hope in the face of death because today's sufferings are so small when compared with the weight of glory. That's promised to those who love the Lord. But that's not all. You know, it's easy to lose sight of those things, isn't it? And so the third reason that we see Paul had hope, hope even in the face of death, is that he focused on what we cannot see. He focused on on what we cannot see. Verse 18 tells us that as we look, Paul says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is something that we've touched on the past two Sundays as we we talked about setting our minds on things above and, and, and on valuing heaven that we are invested in and, and seeking things that are eternal. And here it is again. This 
setting the eyes of our hearts by faith on God's promises, trusting in the things that we can be sure of what God's word tells us rather than things that are temporary. You know, the things unseen, things like the, an eternal weight of glory, can't grasp and lay hold of it today. But we can trust in God's promises to us. So what are the unseen things that Paul looks to? What is the eternal uh, Things of eternity that, that we're to focus on. Well, in the context, Paul refers to the resurrection. And we see this both in chapter 4 and again in chapter 5. In chapter 4, we see this is the reason that Paul is able to go through the suffering. Is this how he is able to be uh, perplexed, but not in despair, knocked down, but not destroyed. And verse 14 tells us, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So God, who has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is not only able, but he has promised to raise those who believe in his son to raise us up with him and to bring us with all the other saints into his presence. Paul repeats this same idea, talking about the resurrection in chapter five, verse one. For we know that when the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, this uh, tent that he's referring to is, is our bodies. He compares them to this temporary dwelling. But he goes on to say we have a building, permanent dwelling from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he goes on to talk about that for, for several verses, another five or six or so. Paul's hope was firmly based in Jesus' resurrection. When Paul was talking about this in his first letter to the Corinthians, he said in, in chapter 15, if all we have is hope for this life, then we are of all men most pitiable. You know, if, if we only have hope for this life, we, there's no hope to face death. What good is that? But he goes on to say, but now Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul says, but Christ has been raised. If we didn't have hope beyond the grave, we would be 
pitiable. What hope is that? But Christ was raised. So we can have hope in the face of death because of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he is able to make what is unseen a reality. He swallowed up death forever. He's conquered the grave and he is able to give us eternal life with him. Is that where your hope is? Is that what you look to in this life? As you suffer and face trials, face even death, we can know that Christ is risen. And if we believe in him, we rely on him. He will not only help us in this life, but he will give us eternal life. That's a sure hope. Are you fearful or weary, barely hanging on? Maybe you think you have it pretty good. Life is going okay. Remember that the reason that we have hope, the reason that we can rejoice in all of life's circumstances is because Jesus rose from the grave. Paul knew what it was like to suffer, but he endured because he had hope because he knew that as his body wore out, that treasure that he had of a relationship with Jesus Christ to know him, that was not going away. It only shines out all the more in our lives. That's why the apostles can speak of suffering for the sake of, of Christ, not for our own selfish sake, but for the sake of Christ as, as a privilege to count it a joy in trials. Paul had hope because he knew that the sufferings of today are so small compared to the glory prepared for those who love God. And he had hope because he knew to look to what is unseen, to have faith in Jesus and his resurrection and his promise that he will raise us up to be with him on the last day. Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. That is why we can say, I do not lose heart, even in the face of suffering and death.